It has been already an amazing service. We worship an amazing God. Before I get into our message and prepare our hearts for communion, I do want to share a little bit about Women at the Well. Uh, That was my first time ever attending a Women's Day. (laughs) This time I got to serve like the AV and got to work with the guys. I tell you, they do some amazing work. And uh, I really just have to continue to put in a plug, we need more help. Uh, We're going to have two services here probably within a month. We're going to need extra help. And so don't wait for a month. Start now. Volunteer now so that you can learn uh, what it's going to take to help each one of these services happen. What what we experienced this morning would not happen if it weren't for the AV. But uh, amen. Uh, But I have to say, I just... (laughs) It's, <laughs> I'm about to cry every time I start thinking of yesterday's event. We have some incredibly courageous and beautiful masterpiece of sisters in our church. Um, a, lot of, a lot of women came up and asked the four of us guys who were there uh, what we thought. And I have to say it was very moving. Uh, I felt very challenged on the power of their transparency. Uh, But what especially hit me as a man, and and again, they shared very vulnerably, and they took responsibility for their own sins, but I was appalled at how much hurt and pain are caused by us men. And it just broke my heart. It motivates me to want to be a better man. And uh, brothers, we need to be that men, whether you're a husband or whether you're single, whether you're a campus student, whether you're a teen, Let's be the men of God that women deserve. Amen? We continue our theme, If God is for us. Romans 8.31 is where we derive this theme. As Ed already shared earlier, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us... Now, you've probably noticed today that a lot of our emphasis was more on worship. Because, see, sometimes we face battles, we face things that are against us, that are so overwhelming, that seem so insurmountable, that no matter what we do, we can't win. Have you ever been there? Experienced that? A situation, a circumstance, a financial situation, physical health ailment. There just comes that point that sometimes, guys, we can't fight the battle. And it's in those moments all we can do is worship, is pray, and nothing else. And that's what I hope to share this morning, that sometimes, guys, there will be things against us that seem insurmountable, that seem impossible. But it's in those moments that all we need to do is worship. You know, this week was a a rough week. Our uh, dog of 11 plus years, uh, died on uh, Thursday night. You know, I've had pets die over my life, but I was never there to experience it, as I was the last one as, as he passed. Um, you know, you hear about other people losing pets, you don't know what that feels like until you experience it. He was uh, definitely having some problems, there was a lot of seizures, and we knew his time was coming. But it's even in those moments when I, I felt hopeless and, and helpless. And what, what can I do? I can't comfort him. The, the veterinarian was already closed. It's like, what do I do? And all I could do was pray. And it was this one last moment where he had one final seizure. 
And I just put my hand on him. I said, Tux, we love you. It's okay. We'll see you again. The Lord says he will restore all things, so I believe he's going to restore our pets too. <laughs> right? There were animals in Eden. So, but it was amazing because right as I said amen, this is in the middle of a seizure, he immediately stopped. And he was gone. And I felt like God heard even that request. See, sometimes we can't do anything but worship. And then God delivers the battle. And so I had the opportunity to clean him up and then let the kids come and say goodbye. You know, but that moment led me to another story in my life, which I'll relate to as we read this amazing story in Second Chronicles. You know, as Tux was dying, there is a very specific smell when something is dying. Uh, there's an actual taste. And it reminded me that I've been there before, myself. When I was 13, I'd almost died. Some of you may know the story. A lot of you are new, don't know the story. And so I share it more just because that was a defining moment for me that there is a time sometimes where you face a battle you can't surmount. Sometimes where there's a battle you can't do anything but worship. And I'll share a little bit of the details as we go. But let's go to the story that really exemplifies how sometimes the only way to win is to let God win and we worship a victorious God. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites with some of the Mayunites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you. That sounds scary. From Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. So already it's just terrifying. This vast army is coming. And then this news. It is already in Hazaz and Tamar, that is in En Gedi. In other words, not only is it coming, it's close. There's no way to deter it, no way to run from it, no way to prepare for it. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to run. No, he didn't do that. He resolved to panic. That's how a lot of us would feel. Was helpless. I'm sure there were those feelings. But we can learn something from Jehoshaphat who said he resolved to inquire of the Lord. See, when you know you're facing a battle that you can't win, there is only one place to go. And so we're going to learn something about worship. Worship is so much more about whom you worship than how we worship. We can get so stuck on how, we go, I don't like that kind of worship. Then you've, you've missed the point. We're all going to worship different ways. We're all going to connect different ways. But the one thing we should all connect with is whom we worship. And Joseph knew he was the only one he could go to. And he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. He even understood that worship shouldn't be done alone. He called all the people to come together, just as we're doing with our prayer chain. And I tell you, it's been so encouraging to hear people's comments as they've participated. And I pray that it will impact all of us in a very powerful way. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. How often do we face battles where instead of going to the Lord, we go to ourselves? Or we go to some other source of power, some other source of information, some other person that we rely on. And you find out in the end, you don't really do very well with those battles. We got to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. You know, not one, not two, three nations 
came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. I'm sure many of us can relate to those circumstances. Trials where you feel outnumbered, overwhelmed. Surely Jehoshaphat would have answered the question in Romans 8, who can be against us? A vast army! Surely that was on his heart. And not only was it against him, but it was already at their door, knocking. Maybe right now you're facing a battle like that. Maybe it's financial. The bills just keep coming and the income's not meeting it. Maybe it's a health issue, one you've just discovered. Maybe you're mourning. Maybe there's a sin you feel enslaved to. I I don't know what the battle is, but there are those times we face battles that we cannot win. It's at those times we need to only worship. Again, as I shared, Tux reminded me of a battle I could not win. I was 13. I'll give a short story of how this happened. Uh, I was a soccer player. I played for many years. And in one of the games, this guy had like a thunder leg, man. He could just kick the ball. And I unfortunately was running up as he was kicking, and it hit me in the head. At the time, nothing but a black guy, a little bit of a concussion. No, no deep, big deal. But suddenly over weeks, things started to change. Again, I was only 13. Suddenly I would have numbness in my extremities. Suddenly I would have flashes of blindness. Suddenly my immunity would just go down. I'd just keep getting sick. And weeks turned into months to eventually where I would wake up in the morning like this, atrophied. I could not even walk at this point. There came a point eventually where I could not even eat. Everything I ate came back up. I got down to 65 pounds at age 13. And I could taste death. Not an easy thing as a 13-year-old to experience. I remember even for a moment, a little relapse of energy to be able to to come up and say goodbye to my family. And of course, it was a very tough time for our family. My dad already had a terminal illness that we were dealing with. And uh, we had not very much money. Often we had to rely on other people to have enough food. But despite all that, my parents took me into the hospital and they did all these tests, brain scan, EGG, spinal tap. Oh, the shot they bring before the shot is scary. And after that spinal top, because of the pressure put on the spinal fluid, I had migraines that literally were so bad, I literally asked my parents to just kill me. That's how bad they were. At this point, I had to be carried everywhere I could go. 13 years old, knowing, tasting, realizing, I'm going to die. Now the doctors, even after all these tests, they couldn't find out what was wrong. And they assumed and said to me, We think you're doing this to yourself mentally. We think because your dad is terminally ill, you're just trying to carry this burden. I love my dad, but I want to be active as a 13-year-old. And and they gave up. They gave up. I was in a place where I could do nothing. The only thing I could do at the time was when I could see clearly was to open up the Bible. And I remember reading through the Bible and reading about God and how he would deliver his people from insurmountable battles. And I remember reading about Paul and Peter and Timothy and Silas and going, God, if if you'll just get me through this, I promise you I will do this. But there was no answer. I think Israelites were feeling very much the same. That death was the only thing that was approaching We go on to verse 5. Then Joseph had stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, 
the God of our ancestors. Are you not the God who is in heaven? It's a question now. You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations, power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did not you drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword or judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before the temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. When you're facing those battles that you can't win, all you can do is look back at the battles God has already won. Jehoshaphat looked back at the past and was reminding, I believe, himself, not just God. As he's talking to God, trying to, God, don't you remember? I think he was trying to gain the faith himself. And I think so many times, guys, when we're in that that battle that seems overwhelming, we can forget who God is. We can forget how powerful he is, how much he's already done and could do if we but reach out to him and just worship. How many times do we face these battles we know we can't win, and yet in our pride, in our arrogance, in our ignorance, we try to solve it ourselves. There was nothing I could do with my situation. I was 13 years old, and I felt death approaching very quickly. But I appreciate Jehoshaphat's honesty. Verse 10. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to evade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance? Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do. But our eyes are on you. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones. God wants the whole family at church. Amen. Stood there before the Lord. See, sometimes, guys, that's all we're asked to do. Just stand. And if you need someone to lean on, then do that. They just stood. But then the Spirit of the Lord came in Jahaziel of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. It's in that moment, just like when I had my hand on tucks, that God intervenes. It's in that moment of darkness when you don't realize God's been working all along to deliver. But it's got to be the Spirit's power and not ours. It's got to be the Spirit's word and not ours. It's got to be God intervening, fighting the battle. He was honest about how he felt and the fact that he was incapable of winning it. We have no power to face this vast army. Have you ever felt that? I have no power to face this. But I believe in God's sovereignty that he sometimes allows us to face battles bigger than us. So that we say this. We do not know what to do. Just say it with me. We do not know what to do. We do not know what to do. Why is that so hard for us to say? Because of our pride. 
But I was in the situation, not only me, but my parents, the doctors, we didn't know what to do. And why does God allow battles like that? Why does he get us to a point to where we have to just admit we don't know what to do so that we'll say the next thing? But our eyes are on you. Sometimes it takes that battle that's insurmountable to finally look beyond ourselves and look to God and to wait. You know, if you really want to know what worship is, that's what it is. It's just forgetting yourself for a moment. And it's putting your eyes on Him. Worship about, is about whom, not about how. And waiting, experiencing, praising, believing, crying, fasting. Worship is so many things, but it's keeping our eyes on Him. We go on to verse 15. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. Listen up, guys. If you're in that battle right now that seems insurmountable, if you're facing that situation that is overwhelming, then these are the words we must embrace. These were the words I wish I had heard when I saw death approaching myself, even at 13. He said, do not be afraid. Oh, I was afraid. I'm going to die. I'm only 13. There's so much I haven't experienced. There's so many things I haven't done. I'm going to die. And it was at that moment when all that really mattered was people, not things. People I love, not possessions. People that cared about me, not what I wanted to achieve. And to go to your parents and say goodbye. Not an easy thing to do. It was much harder for them to hear, I'm sure. But sometimes we got to get to that moment. But he says, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, because of this physical ailment, because of this financial distress, because of this sin you're enslaved in, no matter what the vast army is, do not be discouraged. Why? For the battle is not yours. But God's. The battle is not yours, but God's. Now, you may think that that means we just sit and wait and do nothing. Worship is not just doing nothing. In fact, if you're not engaging in some way, you're not really worshiping. You're just saying words, you're just clapping to, to, to look good. You, you got to connect in everything you do. This is why I love Marcus. He, he just, he inspires me to connect with God. This is what Stan does when he gets up there and leads and the gospel sings to God. It inspires us to connect, to participate. It was awesome seeing everyone going, that was awesome. The battle's not ours. It's God's. But that doesn't mean we sit and do nothing. Look what God tells him to do with this vast army that's approaching. Tomorrow, don't wait a week, a month, a year, tomorrow. March down against them. What? Wait, 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 wait a minute, you just said the battle's not ours. Why, why do we need, because I want you to see. I want you to see God. If you stay back, if you're in fear, if you're hiding, if you're running, if you're not getting open, if you're not getting real, you're not going to witness my deliverance. I want you to go face your ailment, face your financial distress, face your sin, face your broken heart, and watch 
They will be climbing up. Yeah, let me remind you, they're coming after you by the pass of Ziz. And you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You might think, well, why is that important to know? Because it tells you God knows. God knows the whole situation. You only see your pain. You only see your suffering. You only see the present. God sees the big picture. And that's what he's saying. Stop trying to fight this battle on your own. Because you don't have the full picture of the battle. Just march down. I know where they are. Here's where they are. I know exactly where they're going to be. I know exactly what's troubling you. I know exactly what's hurting you. I know exactly what you need, not just what you want. He knows. You will not have to fight this battle, but you got to face it. You can't hide from it. You can't run from it. You got to run toward it, but you don't fight it. That's an interesting command. Wait a minute. This vast army is coming at me. This situation is overwhelming. You're telling me go up to it? Yes. But you're not going to have to raise an arm unless it's in praise. (laughs) I'm going to fight it. Take up your position. See, I think so much about worship is about position of your heart. Is it one of humility? Is it one of surrender? Is it one of trust? Is it one of faith? Take up your position. Face that battle. And then keep your eyes on God. Stand firm. Didn't say step toward it. Didn't say fight it. Just said stand firm. In these moments where Satan would love for these overwhelming battles to destroy us, that is when our faith is going to be proven true. That is the moment that we truly got to go to God and believe even when everything else seems like it's impossible. Stand firm in your faith. Stand firm in your convictions. And see the deliverance. I don't want to just have the deliverance. I want to see the deliverance. I want to see how God is going to fight for me. I want to see how God is going to fight for you. I want to see how God is going to fight for us, the Dallas East region. I want to see it. Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. He says it again as he did at the beginning. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow. And the Lord will be with you. See, we can see God is for us. But how can we be for God when the battle is insurmountable? He just gave us how we can be for him. Let's go back through it very quickly. Do not be afraid. Twice he says that. Do not be discouraged. Twice he says that. March down against them. But you're not going to have to fight this battle. Take up your position. Stand firm. See the deliverance. Go out to face them tomorrow. My situation was getting very bad. I didn't know what to do. My family didn't know what to do. So all I could do was wait. All Jehoshaphat could do was wait. But look what he does next. Verse 18. Some battles all you can do is worship. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. I guess I can be loud sometimes. 
I'm still trying not to be loud in the sermon. I'm working on it. Keep praying for me. I was confirmed last week after the message. Seven people came up and said, I was praying for this. I'm like, thank you, brother, sister. Thank you, Gordon. You got me on the right track. Amen. I'm glad your prayers are answered. But sometimes we got to not be afraid to go to, to God with loud worship. Early in the morning. See, if you really believe, you don't wait. You, you, you'd go after it now. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah, and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men. And you might think, okay, what man did Jehoshaphat have? Okay, we're going to go face this vast army. Uh, something happened to Jehoshaphat overnight. Now he's, he's faithful. He's like, come on, guys, listen to me. God is going to deliver. So here's how we're going to face this vast army. I'm going to appoint all my greatest warriors and generals. No. I'm going to get the best warriors. No. I'm going to put the grunts that do the, the dirty work. No. I'm going to put my singers ahead of everyone else. <laughs> what? Our worship team got really nervous all of a sudden. They're like, what? Well, singers? He appointed men to sing the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army. So as they're approaching the vast army, guess who gets to see him first? The singers! The worshipers! Saying, give thanks to the Lord. For his love endures forever. I don't know if that's the song that would come to me at that moment. Uh, wait, wait, Joseph, uh, I'm at the front? Yeah. To face the vast army? Yeah. Okay. Now, sing. I don't think that's the song that would come to mind. It'd be like, when trouble comes my way, I gotta praise sometime. That'd be the song that would come to me. No, no, his is... Give thanks to the Lord. For what? Nothing's happened but this vast army. You see, when you have faith, even the darkest, insurmountable battle you face, because you worship God, you can be thankful even then. I'm thankful to that situation I was in. It defined my life for the rest of my life. What happened? What were those soldiers thinking? Jehoshaphat's crazy. What were the singers thinking? He's really crazy. But sometimes, guys, the only thing we can do is worship. Is to praise God. Is to pray to Him. To cry out to Him. To fast to Him. And watch Him deliver. Look at this one in verse 22. Very key word. As they began to sing, not as they complained, not as they worried, not as they ran for their life. No, as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. They haven't even seen the army yet. 
But as they began to sing, as, as the only thing they could do was just worship a mighty God, God was already at work. He began to defeat them. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir. That's the Mayunites. To destroy and annihilate them. They started fighting each other. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. Did you catch it? Sometimes the deliverance is not even going to be given until you just worship. To where you forget all your fears, forget all the, the scary things that could be, but have yet to be realized. And just worship. And it's in that moment of complete focus on Him, God is at work. Some of us, all we need to do this week is worship. And then watch the deliverance. See, God was orchestrating my deliverance. Very interesting way at the time. Because this was in 1979, 1980. Doctors had gave up. I would have probably died within two weeks. I'll share why in a second. But at the time, the church I was a part of, someone recommended, it's like, why don't you try a chiropractor? What is that? Remember, this is 70s, 80s. It's like brand new. But at this point, we had nothing to lose. And we believed that all we could do was praise God and ask God for deliverance. And if God speaks to one of his people to, to, to tell us to try something, we gotta, we got to trust it. we got to trust that God's going to fight the battle. And so we decide, okay, we'll find this chiropractor. Now, the problem was is our family was practically bankrupt. But fortunately, because the chiropractors are trying to get a name for themselves, he says, we'll only charge you a dollar. Yeah. God was delivering. Okay? His name was Dr. Forrest. God was about to deliver a forest of joy, a forest of deliverance. So he took me in, did a, an x-ray of my, my neck. Later that day, he called me back in. He says, you bring him in immediately. Found out what had happened is over time, my top two vertebrae had come to the point of being tilted and twisted to the point of total dislocation. Basically, everything inside me was dying because it wasn't getting the signals from my brain. My organs were literally rotting within me. That's why I was beginning to taste the metallic smell and taste of death. At the same time, my brain was not getting its nutrients. So it was having all the issues, the blindness, the numbness, uh, just headaches that were just intense. So he adjusted me, and all those systems that were shut were now open. So my whole body went into convulsions. Black bile came up, which was proof that basically within two weeks I would have died because my organs were shutting down. Chiropractor. I believe in them. Not all of them, but I believe in in ones that know what they're doing. But see, I was so badly atrophied, I had to literally go every day for a year until I could walk again. I had to homeschool my whole seventh grade. Yeah, but there was deliverance. But it's not over. Let's see what happened. Even when it seems hopeless, sometimes all you can do is worship. As they began to sing, they went down. The Ammonites defeated each other. They helped to destroy one another. And then verse 24, when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army. So they're coming over the hill, singing, Thank to the Lord for his good. They'll probably get more excited as they're getting closer and then probably got quieter as they're approaching. And as they come over the hill to see this vast army that they can't do anything about. What? 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 what, what? Yeah. Say, say it again. That was re- what? What? That was perfect. 
They saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat's men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing. Not only did they get victory, they got plunder. It took three days to collect it. That's a lot of plunder. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah, which that word means praise. They called that place the valley of praise, where they praised the Lord. This is why it is called the valley of Barakah to this day. Then led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Jerusalem returned joyfully, yes, to Jerusalem for the Lord. Had given them cause to rejoice over the enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps, lyres, and trumpets. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for as God had given them rest on every side. If they had tried to face this battle on their own, they would have died. But they learn that this is not our battle. It's God's. Now, eventually, I got better. And that's why I took up running. No more contact sports. And running is what got me a full-ride scholarship to the university, Cal State Northridge, where I was met in 1991, a little over 25 years ago. But see, I had promised God something. When I faced that battle, I could not overcome, and all I could do is worship. I had promised him in that worship, God, if you'll get me through this, I will do this. Unfortunately, 10 years had gone by, but then God called me to my promise. See, when you worship God, he's going he's to call you to it. You can't just come sing and walk away and think there's no accountability. <laughs> you worship a God, he's going to call you to do something. But I remember that first time, 10 years later, as they sat me down in the front row and center, as I heard of what it really meant to worship God, what it really meant to follow Jesus. No longer, what is a Christian? I need to know what is a disciple of Jesus, because that's what the Bible talks about. And as I heard that message of what it really means to follow Jesus, to deny myself, to carry my cross, to repent of my sins, to be baptized for forgiveness, to receive His Spirit, it was then I realized, God... That's what I promised you. And a week later, I was baptized. And I've never stopped running since. God delivered me. Took me 10 years to fulfill that deliverance. But I don't care what battle you're in. There is someone who's fighting it for you. Maybe you won't be healed. Maybe you won't find financial success but you still have a mighty God that can bring you home. I end with this as we take communion. Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, because only through Jesus can we be victorious, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I did not know what battles would yet wage. But I knew I had a Lord that was going to fight him with me. Some battles he throws me in. Has me lift the sword. But there's some battles that all we can do is worship. I pray that whatever battle you're facing right now. 
you can learn from this story that God is for you and how you can be for him, even in these insurmountable odds, is just a worship a victorious God. Let us pray as we prepare our hearts. God, we are thankful for Jesus who fought the battle that none of us could fight. No matter how hard we try, no matter how good we think we are, we would have lost this battle, the battle for our salvation. It was one in which only Jesus could win for us. And God, when we faced that battle, we realized that we were condemned. We knew it was over. It was hopeless. And yet in the midst of that darkness, you helped put our eyes on Jesus. And we saw Jesus face that battle simply with his faith in you, his love for us. And he faced that cross and even paid the ultimate price, death. But God, you raised him again. This allows us to believe that even when we face battles that are insurmountable, If we but keep our eyes on Jesus, if we but worship our mighty God, he can deliver us, either through death or from death. It does not matter. God, I pray as we take this bread, which represents your body, and this cup that represents your blood, that we will worship you now and always. God is for us because the battle is not yours. It is not ours. It is not mine. It is God's. Amen.